Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to those of you who are here for the first time. My name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here. Glad you're with us. And um, it's an exciting day to be at Nashville Life. A lot of great things going on. We had an awesome serve day yesterday. We had, uh, I think, 100 care packages assembled and put together full of food for those who are without homes in our Nashville area. I think over 40 of you all came out yesterday, and it was, I think it was the quickest serve day we've ever had. It was, everyone came, and we had more than enough help, and uh, just so you know, I'm excited that because of your generosity and your, your giving and even just your time, uh, this city is being blessed, and those who are in need are, are being blessed because of our efforts. So I just want to thank God for you. And uh, we got another serve day coming up in March. We're hopefully going to have something every month this year for us to put our hands to work uh, so that we can love and help provide for those who are in need in our city. Um, there's some other great things going on. I'm not sure if you noticed. There's a little construction stuff in the back. Um, again, because of your generosity to our, to our legacy uh, building fund, we've been able to um, renovate our back building. So the kids space is being updated. Our staff area is being updated as well as life groups, uh, classrooms and space for more life groups. So uh, because of your love and your faith in God and love with this church, God is able to just take our church to the next level. And I believe that the quality of experience of being at Nashville Life is going up. So I want to thank God and I want to thank you guys. Also want to thank um, a great friend to our church and to my family uh, from Angie Ray Ministries, Church of the Rock, all the way out in the Chicago area, Pastor Jacqueline Denise Ray. You might not know her, but she's been a major blessing to this church in ways that you have seen, but even more in ways that you haven't seen. And just trust me when I say that she is uh, definitely an MVP uh, in our church history, just in prayer, intercession, and and love, really, her and our whole family. And so it's an honor to have you here. And Courtney, it's a pleasure having you here, too. And um, so cool. Let's get into the message. I'm looking forward to what I have to share with you today, what I believe God has for your heart and for your family today. Uh, so repeat these words after me as we prepare to receive from God. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're in the freedom series. This month, we're talking about freedom. Two weeks ago, we opened up the series talking about how the Lord wants to give us rest, rest for our labor. Those of us who are heavy because of, uh, of striving and we're exhausted, the Lord uh, the Bible says that he has fulfilled the Sabbath so where now we can enter his rest and experience it not just one day, but every day. And it's a, it's a wonderful gift, a wonderful invitation. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, how freedom is found in context to community and how important it is for us to have friends, friends in Christ who, who strengthen and support and affirm our freedom every day. Uh, today we're going to come from a different place, but it's still supporting the topic of freedom. And the reason why I'm talking about freedom for the whole month is because everyone in this room needs it. Everyone in this world 
needs it. And if you have it, you need to keep it. <laughs> and and it's, it's something that is universal. It's bigger than Christendom. It's bigger than our country. This is a universal need that every human being has, and there's a reason for it. And Jesus clarifies that reason in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 34 through 36. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this is a great, great uh, message and news for our hearts. Many of us are experiencing a lot of what he's talking about, and that is slavery to sin. If you practice sin, Jesus lays it out pretty plain. He doesn't just say, oh, because we tend to kind of sugarcoat it. Well, you know, I'm not perfect, or, you know, God is still working. No, Jesus says if you practice sin, you are a slave to sin. And that's very intense wording, but it's accurate truth. And it's something that we, we, we must receive and accept today if, if we are going to experience the freedom that he's talking about. Um, we've all sinned. The Bible confirms that all of us have sinned. But when it's, when it's regular in your life and if it's something that's a, a, a regular occurrence, there's, there's some bondage there. There's some slavery happening in your life. And when it comes to sin, there's many derivatives of sin. There's many things that sin takes on various forms. There's the, the anger of sin. There's the lust of sin. There's, there's the fear of sin. There's shame of sin, lies of sin. Uh, there's the regret of sin. There's the dominance of sin, the oppression of sin, even the addiction of sin. And these are just a handful of the various forms that slavery can, can take root in your life. And some of us are slaves to one, if not all, of these things. And, and the good news today is that you don't have to remain a slave. In fact, Jesus can set you free today. He can set you free today. And the reason why is because he's qualified to do it. In fact, he's the only person qualified to do it. The scripture says, Jesus says, slaves don't remain in the house, but the son remains in the house. And at the time of this passage, Jesus was the only son of God. So he was the one person qualified to set slaves free. And the way he sets us free is by converting us from slaves to sons. We all get to experience sonship. Yes, even the women. We get to experience the, the favor of sonship, the, the status of sonship, the proximity of sonship, the freedom of sonship through Christ Jesus. Jesus says another foundational scripture, John 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he goes as far to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. We all get to have a sonship status with God, and we can be no longer slaves to sin anymore. And, and that can happen today. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And of all those three aspects, I want to emphasize truth today. 
And the reason why I'm speaking about truth during a, a series on freedom is because another thing that Jesus lets us know in verse 8, uh, sorry, chapter 8 of John. John chapter 8, verse 32. I got a lot of scripture for y'all today, so I, I pray you take notes. Uh, John 8, 32. It says, and you shall know the truth. Can everyone say truth? truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So the reason why we're talking about truth on a freedom series is because according to Jesus, that's the one thing that will make us free. Now, i got to talk to our generation today because we're in some difficult times, um, and especially around the word truth. We live in a culture that has really abused and misused the word truth, and because of that, we kind of have to do some sorting in our minds just because of what we experience culturally in, the, in this day and age. Uh, there's, there's what we'll call a subjective truth. Um, and that is uh, really just another word for opinions. So, for instance, and, and, and there, was a, there was a day and time where opinions were opinions. But we reached a point in 2024 where opinions have now been labeled as truths. So, for instance, you know, that jacket is ugly to me. Well, that jacket is beautiful to me. Well, my truth is that that jacket is ugly. Well, my truth is that that jacket is beautiful. And what we are calling truths really is just my opinion is that it's ugly. And my opinion is that it's, it's beautiful. But again, we're in a tricky time today where opinions have now been labeled truths. So there's subjective truth, which if you want to call that a thing. Then there's relative truth, where it's really just by comparison. For instance, I was in Florida last week. And compared to here in Nashville, it was warm. It felt great. All the locals that I talked to were like, oh, man, it's so cold. It's so cold. And, and what they mean is compared to what we're used to, it's cold here. But I'm like, compared to what I'm used to, it's warm here. It's nice. So that's what we call relative truth because compared to what you know, this is true to you. But then there's something I want to emphasize today, and that is called absolute truth. And there is no truth more absolute than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, his lordship, is not a factor of opinion. It's not a matter of, 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 of relativity. It is an absolute truth, and time will tell, mark my words, that it's the only truth that will still be standing after all the other truths die away. More than the sky is blue, Jesus is true. More than one plus one equals two, Jesus is true. There is no truth that is 100% fireproof, disaster-proof, time-proof than Jesus Christ. Jesus, the truth, makes us free. So if anyone is a slave today because of sin, if you're practicing sin, maybe you didn't know that you were a slave. Praise God for the gospel because if you are practicing sin, according to the words of Jesus, the truth, you are still a slave. And that's the reason why that's not the end of the world is because Jesus is here today, and he can set you free as soon as today. And I know that's a bold statement. We tend to think, oh, it'll happen in a little while or happen in times to come. No, your freedom can happen today. And the reason why I can say that with full confidence is because according to Scripture, your freedom happened before today. The news I have to you today is that the freedom that that I speak of is something that has already been accomplished for you way before today. 
Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 10. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, God who is rich in mercy, thank God, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, which means that in the future, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Can everyone say beforehand? that we should walk in them. The truth of the gospel is the work has been done beforehand. Your salvation was prepared beforehand. Your healing was prepared beforehand. Your deliverance was prepared beforehand. Before we loved God, he loved us. Before we gave God anything, he gave everything to us. Before we were even alive, and this is kind of a trip, but before we were even alive, Christ made us alive. The truth is, while we were still slaves, Christ set us free. While we were still slaves, Christ set us free. And if, you're, if that's a difficult thing for you to wrap your mind around, I've got some help for you. And as I was preparing for this, this one big word just popped in my head like a big sign on a marquee. And I was like, well, it's February, but I want to talk about this. And that is uh, Juneteenth. Juneteenth is the most uh, recent national holiday that's been recognized by our country. And I'm, I'm, I'm so in to uh, Juneteenth. And, and it's not because I'm black, believe it or not. It's because I am a minister of the gospel. And the more I looked into this, I actually believe it's one of the greatest modern-day parables for the gospel message that we preach and that we believe in. The Emancipation Proclamation was a decree that legally set slaves in America free. And that happened in January 1863. Wonderful. According to history, there were over 250,000 men and women and families in Texas who were living as slaves for two and a half years because they had no idea that that decree had happened. They didn't find out until June 19, 1865, two and a half years after they were legally set free. Imagine waiting for your freedom, only to find out that it happened two and a half years ago. Imagine praying, fasting for something that has already been done for you. Imagine crying 
and weeping and begging for something only to find out that it had already happened. I believe every church should know this, this parable of Juneteenth because it's so much bigger than black people. It's so much bigger than USA. This is a universal principle, and the reason why I know it is because this whole world is one big Juneteenth story. This whole world is one big Juneteenth story. Juneteenth proved that the, the Emancipation Proclamation didn't actually set slaves free. The news of it did. It was not the Emancipation Proclamation that set the slaves free. It was the news of it that did. Jesus Christ dying on the cross was the Emancipation Proclamation. It was done, it was finished, it was legal, but there was a whole world who had no idea of this news. Therefore, you've got generations, forget two and a half years, we're talking centuries of generations and families living in slavery simply because they have not received the news that their freedom has already been made and paid in full. I'm telling y'all, this whole world is one big Juneteenth story. The gospel is not the work of Jesus on the cross. The gospel is the news of his work. And it's good news. It's great news. So if we know the news, if we know the truth, if we embrace the truth, we can start walking in the freedom that was accomplished for us way before we were even born. There are countless examples of the truth setting us free. One that you might have not heard a lot about, and honestly, I didn't see it this way until I was studying. Uh, there's a part before Jesus was crucified. He was arrested by uh, the Roman soldiers, and he was uh, arrested to go to trial to ultimately be sentenced to the crucifixion. And he has a conversation, a private conversation with Pilate, who was the governor over the province and where uh, the place that he was crucified. And Pilate had this talk with Jesus in John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse 10 through 12. I want to share that conversation with you, at least a piece of it. Verse 10 says, so Pilate said to him, Pilate said to Jesus, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Verse 12 is what I want to emphasize. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. Now, there's a dynamic in here I would love for us to catch. Most of us know how the story goes on. Jesus was crucified. But it was only because it was his assignment from God. So when Pilate tried to exercise and speak his authority over Jesus, Jesus responded saying, your authority is actually not even legitimate. The only reason why you have this temporary form of authority is because I gave it to you. The only reason why you're able to do what you're doing is because God, him, I'm allowing this to happen. So he spoke truth that there was no real authority that Pilate had 
over him. And when he spoke that truth to Pilate, the next verse said that Pilate from then on sought to release him. There's something powerful in declaring truth, especially to someone who is trying to oppress you. We see this happen as well in the desert when Jesus was fasting for 40 days. And the enemy tried to take hold over Jesus and, and tempt Jesus and have influence and authority over Jesus. And the Bible doesn't say that Jesus responded with tears or with frustration. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with crying. Sometimes you need to cry. And there's nothing even wrong with feeling emotions. But the Bible doesn't say that the tears will set you free. The Bible doesn't say that the emotions of frustration will set you free. In that case, most of us would have been free a long time ago. So let's be honest, we've cried a lot and we've been very frustrated over the years. But the Bible says it's the truth that sets you free, which is why Jesus responded to the enemy saying, it is written. He went with absolute truth. He went with the word of God. And when he spoke, it is written to the enemy, the enemy had to back off. He had to release him, and that's how Jesus was able to overcome. So my question for us is, what does it take for the enemy to release us? Because it's great to read that Jesus was able to escape it, but how, does, how do I escape it? How, how do I break free from the enemy, and how can I get him to release his hold from my life? The answer is simple. It's one word, and it's truth. The truth that Satan's hold over mankind was, the truth is that, sorry, Satan's hold over mankind was broken on the cross a long, long, long time ago. That's the truth. The truth is that it happened, not only has it happened, but it happened already. Yeah. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. Colossians 2, 6, 13 through 16. Are y'all good, by the way? Yeah. All right, okay. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Thank you, Jesus having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He has made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. I think the reason why many of us are still enslaved today is because we keep reading the scripture like it says that he will make us alive together with Christ and that he will forgive us of our trespasses and he will wipe away the handwriting of requirements that was against us and he will take it all away and he will nail it to the cross and he will disarm the principalities and the powers and we find ourselves treating scriptures that are past tense like it's future tense. Some of us need to, just, some of us need to go back to second grade and just remember the importance of verb tense. Because there's certain, if you're hoping for what's already happened, then you'll find yourself living like the 250,000 slaves in Texas. You will find yourself praying for something that was done already. We must start to realize that many of the scriptures, like we're treating like they're in future tense, were actually scriptures that describe what's happened in the past.
Salvation is realizing the Savior already did it on the cross. Healing is realizing that the healer already did it on the cross. Isaiah 53 verse 5 said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. Everyone say the word peace. peace. The Lord died for us to enjoy his peace. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Healed. Freedom is realizing that the deliverer already did it on the cross. Now, there was a passage before that I read in, in uh, Colossians 2, and I want to clarify because it said principalities and powers, and I'm gonna, I know that not everybody really understands what that is. So if you do understand it, just bear with me. But if you don't, I want you to hear me. Many of you guys are experiencing a lot of hardship in your soul. Some of you are, I'll go as far to say, tormented in your own minds. Some of your emotions are completely out of control. You have no idea what to do with them. Some of you guys are having nightmares at night. Some of you guys are experiencing levels of, of rejection and oppression and depression in a way that's, that's not for you. And a lot of what's so sad about it is the way it manifests in your life, you actually have grown to believe that it's you. And that maybe you're crazy or maybe you're unlovable or maybe, maybe something's hopeless for you. But the truth of the matter is, is there's been a trespasser that has entered your life. And that trespasser is, is called principalities and powers. There is actually an organization in the, in the unseen world of, of, of spiritual powers. And there's a whole infrastructure. There's a whole hierarchy. There's commanders and there's soldiers. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally an army of unseen uh, beings. And their assignment is to make your life miserable. They actually have meetings in the unseen world. And they have different people who are assigned to all of us. So they'll have a meeting and they'll say, okay, you two, I need you guys to mess with Megan today. And you guys, I need you guys to go do this to Hunter over there. And I need you guys to go over there and get and get Alvin. And I need you guys. And they go, sure thing, boss. Yes, sir. And they go and they do their thing. These are principalities and powers. So all that, those forces and that confusion and that despair and that internal conflict that you find yourself dealing with every day, I'm here to let you know that there are principalities and powers who work 24-7 to destroy and try to make your life miserable. And those principalities and powers that I just described to you, Colossians chapter 2 says they've already been disarmed and conquered by Jesus. Now the reason why there was about a third of claps in this room is because the elephant in the room is, well, if... Why is my life so miserable if Jesus has defeated all of these principalities? Why is the enemy so victorious and successful in my life if the Bible says that he's already been disarmed? If the Bible says that his weapons have already been taken away, why am I feeling it so strong on a daily basis? 
Well, the answer is we haven't gotten the news yet. <laughs> and I know I'm speaking to a church of people who have, have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ before, but I want to submit to you today that it is possible to hear something and still not get it. It's possible, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The reason why that scripture, that's not a redundant scripture. That scripture means it's possible to hear and still not receive. It's possible to hear and still not believe. It's possible to believe partially and still not believe fully. It's possible to hear it but still not get it. And I believe that we have a lot of people in our lives, and it might even be us, who maybe you've heard the news, but you still don't get it. And because the news hasn't reached your heart, there's a difference in it getting to your ear and it getting to your heart. There's a major difference. There's way more space than you would think. Biologically, we're talking, you know, six inches. But there is so much space that can be between your ears and your heart and the prayer. That's why we do that declaration. Well, let my heart conceive it. I don't want to just hear it, but let it actually get past my ears, past my mind, and into my heart. Because if it's not into your heart, it won't produce life. And many people, we, we, the news of the gospel hasn't reached our heart. It hasn't been made alive in our hearts. So the question I have for us today is how do I realize my freedom? Or how do you realize your freedom? How do we take it from being this concept to something that has been realized? It's, it's been manifested as a, re a real thing in our lives. Not to sound like a broken record, but it's a one-word answer, and that is truth. Truth is how you will realize freedom. Freedom will be manifested in your life. I have five ways to allow the truth to make you free and keep you free. For all of you who want to know, okay, yeah, that's cool, but what do I do? Like, what are the practical steps? I got five practical steps for you, and I, I, I pray that you, 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 you hear what I'm saying. The first one is, first way to embrace truth is you got to read truth. You got to read truth. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God, that people like you and me, may be complete. Can everyone say the word complete? complete. Part of being complete is set free. Yeah. Part of being complete is delivered from slavery. Equipped for every good work. You got to read truth. Number two, you got to hear truth. You must hear truth. And the reason why is Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You have to hear the truth. Romans 10, 14. Still in Romans 10, it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? Yeah. 
They have never heard. You got to hear it. It's important. So we read you got to read the truth. Then you got to hear the truth. Number three, you've got to think truth. This is a big one. This is probably, there's two ones I think are the most underutilized and most needed. It's, uh, it's, and this is one of them. The next one is the next one. You got to think truth. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Another translation says, think on these things. If you're not thinking truth, you're not going to do the next part, which is I think is part two of what we, we do the least, and that is speak truth. I've got two aspects to speaking truth. First one is 1 John. 1 John 1, 8 through 9. It says, if we say, if we speak, we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we speak our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is a spiritual power that comes when you speak and confess that I did it. I did it and I liked it. It's called being truthful. Speaking the truth, we've become so narcissistic as a culture, and all of us have gotten so used to sugarcoating it and victimizing it and making it something other than what it is. The truth is you did it. And the Bible says when we confess it, the God that we're so afraid to confess to won't condemn us. He won't beat us up. In fact, the opposite. He will forgive us and cleanse us. So you got to speak the truth. I just, the language of today, I just feel, it just, it's just so warped. And the other side of speaking the truth is Psalms 34. Psalm 34, verse 1, quick verse. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my, my heart, my mind, my, my silent prayers, my mouth. I believe that most of us are way too quiet about the goodness of God. And I've learned that when you're quiet and too quiet about the right things, you become too loud about the wrong things. Our ch the church, we are too quiet about the greatness of God. We don't talk about his goodness enough to ourselves, to others. We try to help y'all with the worship. We give you lyrics to say. Some of y'all won't even do that. Guys, open your mouth about the goodness of Jesus. And 
And the Bible takes it a further. It doesn't just say open your mouth. It says keep it open. Continually have it open. Continually have the praise and the glory and the majesty and the power and the deliverance of Jesus and the, and the Lord on your mouth. You've got to speak it. Saturday a.m. prayer, y'all, I still think it's too quiet in there. I'm glad y'all are here, but this... I know it might look deep, but it ain't deep. You must speak. I know the Lord, guys, I know the Lord knows what you think before you say it, but he still tells you to say it. I know he knows your request without you asking, but he still tells you to ask. Prayer is too quiet. Like, what are we doing? It's not like jam session, listen to music. I know we're playing music, but that's so that y'all can talk out loud and everyone not hear each other. We're just like, mm. wow, prayer was so good today. I'm like, what did you pray? We must speak. We must talk. Speak the truth. Speak his praises. Speak your request. And number five, practice truth. James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. So yes, hearing is important, but you can't stop there. Hearing is one of the five things I said, but it's not the only thing I said. You can't be hearers only because the word says that you are deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and y'all immediately forgets. We forget fast what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, the law of freedom, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed. This one will be blessed in what he does. So let's review the five. The first thing for the truth is what? Read, Read the truth. Then it's what? Hear. Hear the truth. Then you gotta do what? Read. You gotta think the truth. And then you gotta speak the truth. And then you gotta practice the truth. And that's not necessarily in that order. But all five need to be done in your life if you want freedom. If you want to enjoy, and I mean enjoy, the freedom that Jesus purchased for you to have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for truth. I thank you, Lord, for giving us the very thing that will make us free. God, I thank you, Lord, for giving us practical steps on how to embrace truth. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us from this point on to read the truth more. Lord, to, to hear the truth more. Lord, to think the truth more. To speak the truth more. And to practice truth more. Lord, not just believe as truth is incorporated and uh, brought into our lives as our lives become more consumed with truth Lord we will start enjoying freedom 
like we never have before. God, I thank you for setting us free today with the good news that everything that we need has been accomplished for us through the cross. Every ounce of deliverance, every ounce of healing, every bit of salvation was done when you shed your blood, Jesus, on the cross. Help us to remember that. Help us to live in that and walk that out. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to ask us all to stand and for the prayer team to get in position. Now, this conqueror, the one who defeated all those principalities and powers I talked about, was his name is Jesus. And if you make him Lord of your life, then the victory that he accomplished will become your victory. And the success and the con conquest that he accomplished on the cross will become your life. You will experience the same freedom, the same triumph, the same victory that Jesus experienced when he rose from the dead. That can be yours today. But something has to happen. You, you, you must receive him as the Lord of your life. You must submit to his authority, to his love, to his power. And when you do that, I promise you, I promise you, the freedom that was accomplished on the cross will start to take over your life in the best way. Bit by bit, day by day, you will see this freedom unfold in your thinking. You'll see it unfold in your, your conversations. You'll see it unfold in your relationships. He, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And if you're ready to receive that Son today, repeat these words after me. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. If you could, can you give the biggest shout you possibly can for the King of Kings, for the Lord of Lords? Thank you, Jesus. 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 We bless you, Jesus. We thank you for shedding your blood. We thank you for purchasing our freedom. We thank you for setting us free. We bless you, God. Congratulations to everyone who made that choice today to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We've got a team of, of, of prayer warriors here. They love you. They love God. They came here to pray. So if you need prayer for anything on your way out, please don't be shy. 
Don't think you're inconveniencing us. We're, we're here for you. This is a house of prayer. So if you need prayer for anything, if you need to uh, get just any support for what you're going through, let us pray for you. No pressure, but if that's what you want, if that's what you need, we're here. Um, if you want to learn more about the vision of Nashville Life, I'll be one floor up starting like in nine minutes. We have next steps. And I just talk about the vision of our church. You get to meet our leadership, hear about what we're doing here. That way you can decide if this is a place you want to get more involved. We'd love to meet you. Um, if you want to learn more, you can also text that word, belong, to 77411. We, will, we would love to connect with you. We would love to connect with you in the name of Jesus. And then lastly, if you want to give, you can give on your way out or you can give online. I love you. And I pray God's blessings on you. I pray that you enjoy your freedom today and that you would protect it and that you would treasure it and that you would just, and share it, share it. Um, have a great rest of the day. Be blessed. And again, come down for prayer if you need it. I love you. See y'all next week.